Welcome to the Hardwick Evangelical Church Weekly Podcast. Yes, so we're, we're looking at Philippians. We're going to spend the next six weeks in Philippians. <clears throat> and um, it, it seems quite, um, what's the word, appropriate in terms of what you know, Robbie was sharing this morning, in terms of what's going on in the world, um, that this letter should, should address um, a situation like how to, how to survive well in, in bad times or in difficult times. Um, whenever you read the letters, you get something else out of them. <laughs> and so what we're going to be sort of focusing on during this series isn't the only thing that we can learn from Philippians um, but it is um, one of the things and perhaps um, something that will be timely for many of us so I'm just going to give a brief introduction to Philippians Philippians (coughs) you may know Philippi was a Roman colony and um, it was uh, <clears throat> it became a Roman colony because of a couple of significant battles that were won there by the Romans, and so it was uh, had been a, very much a garrison uh, city, and it was at this time of writing it was full of Roman soldiers and retired Roman soldiers and their families, and if you were a citizen of Philippi, you were a citizen of Rome. So it was important in that sense. Um, it, had a, it was in Macedonia, but it only had a very small Greek Macedonian um, population. And it also had a very small Jewish population. Small, um, too small for there to be a synagogue there. For, to have a synagogue, um, you have to have 10 Jewish men. Um, who will form the synagogue and obviously they'll have families and all the rest of it but you have to have at least 10 men and there were not uh, there was not a synagogue there because there weren't enough men to form a synagogue Um, and so they had a prayer room um, a Jewish prayer room but not a synagogue so the the population the Jewish population there was quite small and it was the first place in Europe that was reached with the gospel And Paul went there, and um, you may know um, people who've come up in um, in in our readings or your readings um, time time again. The name Lydia. Lydia was a lady who was converted on Paul's uh, first visit to Philippi. She was a a rich lady. She um, dealt in um, uh, purple cloth, dyed cloth. She was a businesswoman. And the church met in her home as the church formed. Um, there's no mention of her husband, so whether she was a widow or a single woman was, would have been unusual, but um, she was obviously the householder and, um, and obviously had a big enough house for a church to gather in. Um, there's also probably, um, we, we, we assume, that uh, a Philippian jailer who had um, been guarding Paul when he was in prison there. 
um, and became a Christian, he and his whole household. So we, we make an assumption that he was part of the group of Christians there. And another famous incident that you may remember that, <clears throat> in, that happened in Philippi, this is what got Paul into prison in the first place, was there was a young woman in Philippi, who, a um, slave woman, whose owners, uh, she, she was able to tell people's fortunes, tell the future, and um, her owners used to use her to get money by telling people's fortunes, and Paul recognised that this was demonic, and he cast the demon out of her, and that caused a riot, which then got him thrown into prison. But I wonder if that girl became a, a, a Christian. Was she part of the church? We don't know. Um, um, but there's all sorts of people. If you take those three people as possible people who are in the church, you've got a very rich businesswoman, you've got a Philippine jailer who was somewhere in the middle of kind of society in terms of status, and possibly a slave girl. Um, and if it wasn't, even if that slave girl didn't become a Christian, there were probably other slaves who did. So it's a church. The church at this point that, that Paul is writing contains people from all levels of society. And um, although the town, I think, was rich and there were gold and silver mines that were close by, but that um, by this time were kind of running out, the church itself was not very rich. In fact, in various places, as you read in the New Testament, Paul commends them for giving and giving out of their poverty. They didn't give to Paul's mission in particular. They didn't give out of their surplus. Um, they gave out of their um, what they needed, and in some cases quite sacrificially, they gave in order for the, the mission of spreading the word of God should uh, continue. So Paul commends them um, on many occasions uh, for their um, their, their faith and their giving. So let's read this first section. We're going to read up to verse 18 of chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. Your, your version might have servants, but the word is actually slaves. Um, and and it was, uh, this is how letters started then. They started with the people who were writing. We put it at the end, don't we? <laughs> Love from, um, as much as we write letters anymore. But uh, they started with it. And notice that it's from Paul and Timothy. Sometimes Paul says it's from Paul, but here he's saying, no, it's from both of us. And so they probably thought and discussed as they, as they as it's wrote this letter. And Paul, probably Timothy, did the actual writing. Um, but um, they were writing this together. And it's written to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Um, what I forgot to mention was this church had probably been going about 10 years. Um, it was probably started in the early 50s. And Paul is probably writing um, in the early 60s. So it's about 10 years, and we can't be definite about when it was written. Um, and he's also probably writing from Rome. Um, there is some debate amongst this in scholar, uh, amongst scholars, but 
I think most of the evidence points to the fact that he's in prison in Rome and he's writing from prison. Um, the reason I say it's probably Rome is that he writes later in the letter, beyond where we're at today, he writes about, uh, well, it's clear he, he thinks he's probably going to be executed. And we know that actually that's what happened in Rome. So he, he feels it's coming towards the end of his life. So that's probably where he's writing from, but we can't be definite. Um, yeah, so he's writing to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. So he's writing to the church, the gathering of believers, together with the overseers and deacons. So he's including, he's making sure everybody is included. It's not, this isn't just to leaders, this isn't just to the congregation, it's to everybody. Um, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to, wait, to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is a church that clearly... Um, Paul has a really strong, affectionate relationship for. Uh, later on in chapter 4, he says, um, he calls them my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. There's a special relationship there, um, one of great love um, uh, between, between them, between Paul and these people. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. Knowledge also means understanding. Um, so I'm going to say in understanding and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best. So you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The day of Christ is the day when Jesus will come and the kingdom is, if you like, set up, the kingdom of God. So it's not the same as when it talks about the day of the Lord. That's the day of judgment, when God will judge. But the day of Christ is this, this great inauguration of the kingdom of God, where Jesus is finally, if you like, um, if I can put it this way, enthroned and, and his kingdom um, is seen and, and, and begins in its fullest glory. So he's looking forward to that day, but he is praying that their love may abound more and more, so it may increase in understanding and depth of insight, so they may be able to discern what is best, so that they may be pure and blameless for the day Christ. 
and um, that's his prayer for them. I, I think it, this might be a, a section to, to dwell on over this week as we reflect um, on, perhaps you reflect on the sermon and as you reflect on what we've been reading. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a prayer that we could pray for each other. That our love might grow in understanding and depth of insight so that we might be able to discern what is best so that we might be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and it's all to the glory and praise of God I often think that Paul is quite a fearsome person um, and uh, although I think he's badly maligned, <laughs> but uh, but I, I um, and and yet this gives us another side of him, doesn't it? This this strong relationship of of love with this congregation, and um, yeah, I think that's quite a a good insight into into who he is. Let me continue. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, i.e. him being put in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. That might sound slightly strange. Um, we might wonder why they weren't confident anyway. Um, but I think we need to remember... That in Rome, and remember this is a Roman colony, um, there was the um, cult of the emperor. Um, in fact, the emperor was called the Lord and Saviour, interestingly. And when Paul talks about Jesus as being our Lord and Saviour, he's actually being very, very subversive and counteracting, sort of head-on, the cult of the emperor. And for people to be subversive, what happens is they ended up in prison or they ended up executed. Um, and we know that um, there was a lot of persecution from Nero, uh, who would very happily execute people, execute Christians, excuse me. And in fact, he used to, in his garden parties, he used to use Christians as torches, human torches, to light the garden. I mean, he was incredibly sadistic. Um, and obviously, you know, we know that Christians were thrown to the lions. And, and um, so to be a Christian and to talk about your faith had consequences that they don't have for us. Um, consequences of, of torture and death. And Paul, who has always sort of ignored that and been subversive and, and 
spread the gospel, was taking his life into his hands and doing so. And as we know, most of the, um, the 12 disciples were executed for their faith um, because it was not a thing they did in the Roman Empire. So Paul is saying here that they might consider, one might consider that being imprisoned for your faith is a bad thing and a very negative thing. And um, he'd, if you remember, he, well, I alluded to it earlier, he had been in prison in Philippi earlier, as I, as I said, for casting a demon out of, uh, out of a young girl. Um, these, the Philippian Christians knew firsthand, if you like, that that's what happens to people when you stand up for the gospel, when you stand as a Christian. Um, and if you remember in the case of um, when he was in prison in Philippi, there was an earthquake and the prison burst open and, um, and the Philippian jailer was just about to kill himself because he thought, oh no, all the prisoners will have escaped and if that happened, he would have been executed. And Paul said, no, no, we're still here. <laughs> and as a result of that, he was able to share the gospel with the Philippian jailer who became a Christian, and his whole household became Christians. So these Philippian Christians have already, already know that um, good can come out of bad situations, that being in prison wasn't the end of the world, that actually um, the gospel could be shared even in the most dire situations. And Paul is saying, oh, yes, look, again, I'm in prison, but look at the good that has come out of it. He'd been able to share the gospel with the Roman guard. Um, he'd been able to share, um, actually, with Caesar's household. I'm not sure if it says it here, but it says it um, elsewhere. So that good things happened, even though he was in a very dire situation. That God was able to use it for good, that the gospel was... Um, uh, was shared with people and people became Christians and and even in this situation where where he is at prison the brothers and sisters there have become confident and are able to speak the gospel themselves from his example in his bad situation the good that has happened uh, has given them confidence and then he goes on and says it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill. The latter, so those who preach out of goodwill, goodwill, do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Paul was able to rejoice despite the false motives that people were preaching with. He said, it doesn't matter. I like to say God's bigger than our motives. Um, and Paul says, 
So long as the gospel is being preached, the motives for which it's being preached are irrelevant. They're certainly irrelevant to the preaching of the gospel. They might not be relevant to the people, you know, kind of long term when they face that day of judgment that we just talked about, but it's irrelevant in the sense that the gospel is being preached and that's what's important. Um, I remember, um, I didn't look up the reference for this, but there's a time when Jesus', Jesus disciples, some of his disciples come to him and say, hang on a minute, those people over there, they're preaching, they're preaching about you, know, um, you and, and they kind of haven't got our permission. And Jesus says, it doesn't matter. Um, if they're not against us, they're for us. That's, the gospel's being preached, and that's what's most important. Paul was able to say that even though he faced um, execution. Um, and indeed, in the end, was executed. Um, our title, God Brings Good Out of Bad Situations, it just made me think about, um, uh, about me, about us. How much do we focus on... The, if we feel ourselves in bad situations and how much do we focus on the gospel being shared um, it's very easy I think to get kind of wound down into your circumstances and not to look for where God might be at work and not to rejoice in where God might be at work Paul had every reason humanly speaking, to get depressed. <laughs> you know, he was in prison for proclaiming the very gospel that talks about freedom. Um, and he was facing death, knowing that this time probably would end in his execution. I think he had every reason to feel um, depressed. Some people were, yeah, they were preaching the gospel, but they were preaching the gospel to try and make it worse for him. You know, he could have looked at his situation, he could have looked at that side of his situation and said, oh, woe is me. <laughs> um, instead, he chose to look at the good in the situation, the fact that the gospel was shared, the fact that the Roman guards were becoming Christians, um, the fact that... Um, brothers and sisters in Christ become bold to share their faith. The fact that the gospel was being preached, whether it was good, from good motives or bad motives, um, what was important was the gospel was being preached. And I felt that it was, it was you know, something that I need to dwell on, but I think probably we all need to dwell on, is um, to, try and, to try and kind of change our focus from, oh, woe is me, and I'm not saying everyone's in this situation, but I think we have a tendency to do that, to, to focus on the negative. Uh, oh, if, if only things were better. If only I had a better job, a better salary, or if only things were going right with my family, if only things were going right with my health, um, uh, if only I'd done better in my exams when I was younger, if only I'd worked harder, if only, if only, you know. And um, I think it's quite... Um, salutary <laughs> to to try and work to look more at the positives. What? Where is God? 
in what's going on? What can I see that is positive from this? That doesn't mean that we have to be false. You know, if we can't see anything good in where we're at, maybe we should ask God to open our eyes to see, even if it's only a spark, to see what God might be doing in this situation. And the other thing I would say is um, we wouldn't know about what Paul was thinking if he hadn't communicated it. He wrote a letter. I'm not saying we should write a letter. But it's good to share with each other testimony, isn't it? Big word. Testimony. <laughs> Got to say it like that, haven't you? It's good to share what God's doing in our lives, even if it seems a little thing. Um, and, and it's good also to share what we see God doing in, in, in each other, in, in other people, in circumstances, to build each other up that we don't focus on the negative but we focus on the positive we focus this isn't just positive thinking but this is we focus on who god is and what he's doing what he has done for us what he is doing and the hope that we have later on paul talks about the hope that we have and um so i like to encourage us that a um God brings good out of bad situations. But I also like to encourage us to, to um, ask God to help us look at our circumstances through his eyes and see what he is doing. That we can rejoice in what he's doing and not dwell on the negative. Thank you. For more information about Hardwick Evangelical Church, please click the website link in our bio.